Let's start with prayer, and then I'll hand it over to Lynn. O Heavenly King, the comfort of the Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fill us to all things, treasure your blessings and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity, and save our souls, a good one. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Take it away, Lynn. All right, thank you. Well, um, the outline for today has four parts. And uh, I wanted, before that, I wanted to just go back and cover some things that we had talked about last time. Uh, last time I showed you some slides of churches, typical of, of Orthodox buildings and so forth, to show how we are arranged and the, the method, the beauty that's in them and so forth. And I just want to say that not every Orthodox church is huge and covered in mosaic icons. And this is a, a church that is, just so you know, not every church is big and fancy. Oh, oh, no, no, it's fine. What? Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we saw it for a split second. What? We saw it for just a split second, or I did. It was a, like a wood. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Is that the one in Alaska? Or? No, it's actually in, um, okay, anyway, do you see the log cabin? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually in Moscow. I think it's it, it's in that cemetery that was um, built where the people had been with mass yeah. murders and so forth. I think what it was is that right after the fall of communism, they needed they needed a church now in that location for people to come and pray and cry and so forth and so on. And um, I don't want to take too much time. Well, okay, technology. You mean to get it for you? Oh, well, all right. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. At any rate, you know, I, what I saw, and I thought, what? A log cabin? And I thought, oh, yes, American exceptionalism. We think we invented log cabins. <laughs> you know, we didn't, you know. But at any rate, churches can be very elaborate, but they can be very simple. So that's the only point I'm on. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, so just it's your basic Lincoln log building on the inside, pine floor. No, you know the logs are showing on the inside, but it's a holy place. So has a dome. What? So has a dome. It has a little dome, and actually, that particular structure is typical of Russian churches, probably because the snow will melt off of it, as opposed to a rounded dome that will just mm-hmm. collect. So some of some of Orthodox architecture is based on location and what's needed. So that's it. Just a little note. Um, I've been joining in with you in reading scripture. I felt like that was something that I would, would do with you all. And just want to make to make the point that if your Bible has lots of notes, I would say. You know, he's given you the challenge to read through the whole New Testament three times. I don't think I've ever read through the whole New Testament one, you know, one time, three times. So don't do it. Don't mess with it. Just read. Okay? So that was point number two. And the third thing is, is that, remember last week I said to you that in terms of personal prayer time, that it's difficult for me as much as I just have very little responsibilities or anything that's structured in my day to actually turn my will from my desires to God. Okay, well, you know the verse in James, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. 
after I confessed that to you all, I felt a really big difference in my prayer time and much easier to take to make that decision to turn to the Lord. So God is amazing. So thank you for that opportunity to have that experience with you all. So appreciate it. Um, so I look forward to having you having some things like that happen in your lives as well. Because that's what we want. We're people here who say there's more than just what we see. There's more than what comes on our screens. Somebody is there. There is a God out there. And we want to have an encounter with him. And we want to be transformed. And uh, that's, that's what we're all about doing here. Okay, so <clears throat> this is a short chapter. You know, just uh, a few pages, 15 pages or so, but oh, there's so much in here. And uh, I found, I think there are four different topics, and I don't want to spend, um, you know, the same time on each topic. The first time, and I want to get a feel. So at first I was going to say, the first topic to cover is how do we read the Bible? The second is, um, you know, prayer. Um, can we pray to people after, can we pray with people after death? What happens after death in our relationship to people who have already fallen asleep, as we say in Orthodoxy? The third is the question of praying to saints, and is that something that we want to do? And the fourth topic is the Theotokos. And I thought originally that those first three topics would be necessary to transition to the fourth one about the Theotokos. But this morning, it seemed to me, just in going through the, the, the worship ceremony, that we should start with the Theotokos. Um, I come to Christianity from a non-Christian, my parents were not Christian, so you know, I came into this Christianity thing as an adult, and then to Orthodoxy, even as an older adult, so that's my background. You all come from different backgrounds. Um, and so there's some things I just say, oh yeah, okay, that's what you say, fine. But um, a show of hands, are there, uh, are there some people saying, what's the deal with this thing I told this business? Anybody sort of, I mean, I thought there was God, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why are you always talking about the Theotokos? Does anybody have those thoughts, or am I the only one? Okay. <laughs> 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 we'll get the elephant. <laughs> you know, we'll talk sorry, about guys, the I'm elephant sorry. in the room. Okay. <laughs> Is that okay with everybody? We'll start there and then get more into the details, maybe, of prayer and so forth. Well, let me just say that I think it's important for us to know that that the Bible says, it talks about people who have fallen asleep. It's not that they are dead. It's not that they're totally gone and then there's nothing. They have fallen asleep. They are alive. If they're believers in Christ, we know they're alive in heaven. If they're not believers in Christ, we don't know. And that's one thing that I, that, you know, it, it just, we, some people say that, I mean, God is a good God who wants everybody to be saved. That's right there in the scriptures. But we do know that people who are believers, that they are alive in heaven. And that they're just not over there. You know, we can talk to them. We can ask for them for prayers. That's just, that's just a point we might, we'll get to later. But as far as the Theotokos, let's start there. Um, because she, you know, she's present in all of our worship and our prayers a lot in our worship services. Theotokos is Greek for the birth giver of God. It's not that it's the mother of God because lots of people are mothers who've not given birth to a child. Lots of people are mothers in our lives who are not our 
biological mothers, but the birth giver of God is how we, is what that word means. And so um, they decided early on, it was St. Tikhon actually who was here working as the bishop and, and said, you know, we've got to get this Russian church into America and we've got to translate these things into English and he hired really, really good editors and poets and so forth and so on in New York, but the top people in the publishing world to do the translating of a lot of these things for us. I mean, you you listen to some of our prayers, and I mean, there's there's $4 words. <laughs> you know, they're not making it. At any rate, what they decided was that it's really, we can't, we don't want to call her Virgin Mary, we don't want to say um, the Mother of God, we're the, the word that actually says what we mean, the birth giver of God is Theotokos. So let's just use that word. Does that make sense? So that's why we use that phrase. Sometimes one word in another language can say a lot more, you know, simply. So we just all agree to do that. So that's why we say a holy Theotokos. Um, so um, I just have printed out some things, just some history. There's, there's tradition, there's relationships, and so forth. And I'm just going to go, you know, I'm thankful to Kelly, Kelly McMahon. She pointed out to me the, the Enneagram, which is t totally puzzling to me. Yeah, there's three kinds of people, the doers, the thinkers, and the feelers. Okay, I can deal with three kinds of things, and I'm a thinker. <laughs> But at any rate, there is, uh, how many of you knew that in the Old Testament, in the, you remember after David, King David and Solomon, then the kingdom divided, and it was in, in two parts, and the kingdom of Judah was the one that, do you know that in every single time they mention the next king of Judah, and they talk about the queen, and the queen is his mother. Okay, so there we have the biblical, the Jewish history of the, of the idea of if we have a king, then the queen is not going to be the wife, the queen is going to be the mother. So if anybody's interested in being a geek like me and has to print out all that sort of stuff. Okay, in addition, I just want to tell a little bit about the early life of the Theotokos, and this ties in with our patron, St. Anne. St. Anne and her husband, Joachim, were childless, which was a very great shame, and uh, their their offering was refused one time, and they were very sad. They were very old, so they decided to, to go their separate ways for a time of prayer and reflection, and during that time, each one of them received a visit from an angel to say, you will conceive, and they, um, you know, the end of that time when they were practicing together, and they conceived the Theotokos. And so St. Anna, the church's patron saint, is the grandmother of Jesus Christ. And um, what my, the day of my chrismation was the day of the entrance, which is later on in the year, in November. And I really didn't like it because the whole story I heard was that when she was three, these parents took her to the temple, and that's where she lived out her life out of it's awful. A little over here, over you raised by all those guys who don't know have never been watched. What's going on here? No. There was a community of women who lived there at the temple. I mean, it talks about Anna the prophetess. She lived at the temple and she prayed and so forth and so on. So it was, I mean, right there in the <coughs> temple grounds was this community 
of women to serve. And it's not like in The Sound of Music with everybody in their matching outfits all lined up, lockstep, processing that. No, it's much less formal and strict like that. But do you think, okay, and so her mother and father, the Thantoka's mother and father, lived very close, and so they could come visit her. They could come visit her every day. So that there was not a separation. It's just that she was there. Well, her father died. Joachim died when she was very, very young, right after that. So here's, look how God was taking care of them. Her mother was a widow. She already had been living in the community, and then her mother came to live in the community as well. So she was there with her mom, and so she wasn't just separated from family. But you think about it, from the time she was three years old until she was betrothed to Joseph, she heard all the services of the church, day in, day out, year in, year out. Can you imagine a person who had a better preparation to raise our Lord than somebody who had lived right there in the temple and heard everything? Can you imagine what she was able to teach our Lord as he was growing up? Because she had this background of being right there and hearing all the hymns and all the prayers and everything like that. So God was really looking out for her. And so that's the story. And then just think about it later on when she was raising Jesus. I mean, when he was 12, he was debating with the priests. Um, so he obviously was thinking about this stuff. He didn't. So she had a chance to be with him and hear what he was saying and thinking about the things that he knew until, you know, from his, until he was 30. So she knew a lot about what Jesus was talking about before his public ministry. And then it says also in the, in the, the literature that after he died that the apostles would love to come to Jerusalem and visit with her and learn from her and so forth. So she was very well loved and respected by all the early Christians. So that's the history of it. And by the way, the book is the Proto-Evangelium of James, which was not put into the Holy Scriptures, not because they didn't believe it, but because it wasn't enough about Jesus. If you're copying everything out by hand, you're going to be a little careful about what you include in the thing, or just, you know, being very careful. So it was still, it you know, it still is among the Orthodox, a very highly respected book and considered truthful, but just not enough about Jesus to be included as <coughs> Holy Scripture. So, um, so anyway, so so there's a history of Israel where they always the king always had the queen who was the mother. There's the history of the the respect and the wisdom and the love that all the apostles had for the Theotokos. Okay, so that's fine. That's history. But where does that leave us? And um, and I think that you know, doesn't scripture say you should only worship Jesus? I think how many of you are followers of Jonathan Peugeot? Okay, you know, and he talks about structure and hierarchy and so forth and so on. And one of his talks is about the, the need to have both masculine and feminine in our lives. You know, there are elements of both the masculine and feminine. I think that honoring the Theotokos is part of the understanding that we, um, you know, that, that there's a, a masculine element to our worship and there's a feminine. I don't know how else to, to describe that. But that there's some things you go to your dad for and some things you go to your mom for. <laughs> some people are saying that. So so that's that's quickly the thumbnail of I forgot what time did we start? I forgot.
that's that's the thumbnail about the thick toughness. Questions? What are your thoughts? And, you know, I mean, I'm honest with you. That's I didn't. You know, I said, okay, if this is orthodoxy, fine, I'll accept it. But I don't know. But it's it's gotten so that it's different from me now. Just now said that I started out saying, well, this is orthodoxy, I'll accept it, but I've gotten to that it's different from me now. What do you think caused you to become different? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what okay. you said. You said you started out, well, this is orthodoxy, okay, but now you've gotten so that it's different for you. What would you say has made it become different? Um. I would say having been in prayer and have her minister to me. Okay, and I would say spending time like Father Stevens recommended to to, to somebody to sit with the icon of the Theotokos and to sit with her. If I could, I, um, I had some similar issues when I was uh, first, and, and I and I uh, originally became Melkite Greek Catholic, which canonically Catholic, but it's it's like Orthodox in, in its theology and, and doctrinally. And and I I remember talking to my priest, my spiritual father, about this, about how you know I look. I've been a Baptist now for better than thirty years. I, I don't know how old I can I can uh, I can I, be, I can begin praying to or asking something of a saint. How do I do this? And and he he says he says well. You can, you can always ask her to pray with you, and that's and that's how I began. Um, that's that's how I began. I I would I'd just say you know please please uh, just join your prayers with mine, pray with me, and that's what Father Joseph always said. Like when when I was coming with problems, this is like well I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna pray with you, and he he said he said um, the Theotokos will do the will do the same thing. It was is gonna is gonna like uh. She she will uh, she will pray for you and with you, and um, and that's I mean it, it, it's I mean all the honor goes to Jesus. There's there's maybe an icon uh, or two out there where she's not depicted by herself, but not, not depicted by herself. Almost always though, she's pointing to Jesus. She's saying, as she said to the uh, to the disciples at the wedding feast of Cana, "Do what he says." It says it certainly do what he do what he says you says for you to do, and um, I, I I think that was part of how the berries are falling down for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the the uh, icon of the Annunciation. I mean, it's at the moment where she says yes, and so then at, at that moment Jesus was present <coughs> in her womb. So he's there; you just can't see him yet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for. Anybody else? Um, <clears throat> I, how do you deal with the cognitive dissonance where, well, by myself, I've been Baptist previously. <laughs> and um, prior to coming here, I've never experienced anything about, you know, besides the Trinity. So it was outside of our study. Um, and er- anything else, especially image, was considered idol worship. Exactly. So, been there. Been there. How do you uh, resolve that conflict? Wow. 
Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, I think that's. Thank you very much. It, 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 it's, it's, I mean, this isn't my first visit here, mm-hmm. but it's hard to not see it as. I can add something to that. Good. You can think of the icon as like a symbol. And the symbol is like just like you see any type of symbol, like a cross or a flag or, or what have you. The, the icon would symbolize, <coughs> would it have its own symbolism? It's basically a symbolism, like there was like the crown above the king or God above the king. Like they're just symbols, and symbols rule the world. And the way you're praying to that symbol is this, that's my understanding of it. It's that it's another symbol. That gets and basically, you know, all archetypes and what okay. have you. So there's hierarchies and so forth, and there's, there's some, some things standing for another. Since you say you've been Baptist, and I'm many, many Baptist friends, and I learned so much about God and prayer from my Baptist friends, I'm very thankful for them. Um, you know, the thing that a holy fat took us save us. <gasps> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but what I heard Father Stephen say, and you know, he he was a classics major. And he says that the word save in Greek has a different meaning from how it does in Baptist. <laughs> in Baptist language, save means I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. I put my trust in you. This is the day. From now on, I know I'm saved. Okay? So it's saved from hell. Or that I put my allegiance with Jesus Christ, and that's all I need to do. Right. You know. To be saved, yes. To get saved. In Greek, it's more like you're on a sailboat, and the sailboat tips over in the middle of Lake Michigan, or, you know, middle of somewhere, and you say, Help save me! Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a different context. A different context. And that's the context that, that, that we're using that here. If I could, if I could offer one yes. more thing, too. It, this, this is a... And, and, I, and I realize this, too, also, growing up as a Baptist, there, oh, there was... And, 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 like, you know, there... Look, there, Baptists will mean, but, like, like, um... Probably the, one of the most famous Christmas songs that came out uh, years ago. Mary, did you know? And uh, like, she knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She knew. She, and and she, knew, she knew a lot better than you do right now. Yeah. Writing about. Yeah, she knew. And and uh, what? Especially for me, um, being being a being a trial lawyer, like like one one of the one of the ways that. Um, that, that I, I was talking to deal with evidence is okay. You, you, you want to get as close to the source as you can. Like you, you like you, you, you go back. Uh, you 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 talk to somebody who's the nearest to the source. What do they say about it? And and uh, and and when I begin looking at the church, and I realize okay, um, I've been believing this for an awfully long time. Kind of goes back to the beginning. This is not a new innovation. Where, where you know my, my Baptist faith had begun with, with I guess Smith in, in uh, the 1600s in England and and, um, and something else that Frederica says in, in, in one of her books in Facing East she she describes the, the reformers as as um, 
as, as, uh, as well-meaning gardeners who went out to weed a garden with machetes, okay? Because there had been stuff that had grown up. There had been abuses that had grown up through the medieval church, the Church of Rome, and the indulgence controversy, other things. And there were things that really needed to get weeded out. But, but doing that without knowing what they're doing, they just hacked out everything, hacked down a lot of good doctrine too. They, they, they got rid of stuff that really should have, should have been left standing. And, and so um, I, I think that's what brings people to orthodoxy. You, you, you go looking for the true church. What was the true church? What was it before people started messing with it? Before people created something that really required a reformation? And you find it, and you think, what did they believe? And what they believed is, you know, remember, Scripture was written by the church for the church. So you're not going to read Scripture necessarily and, and try to argue with the church fathers of, of, about the church because, well, and it's, it's again, they, they, they knew it better than we did. I'm sorry, I've gone off down the rabbit trail. That's, that's wonderful. That's, that's point three. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the same topic. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> Anything else? No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rest for now. Rest my case. How I've been uh, explained about uh, icons is that icons are not just a symbol. They're a connection, like a window into heaven to, uh, with not only the saint, but into just heaven and God in, in general. I agree. And I, and, and I would go farther because of my experience. Um, I would say more than a window to heaven, I would say an icon is a person to be with. And I got that insight when I was recovering from open heart surgery and I felt like the Theotokos was there with me. You know, I mean, I don't. I hesitate to talk about personal things because it can make it can give expectations or something. Mm -hmm. But that's where I got that insight that, that an icon is a person to be with. Does that make sense? I agree. Though this window into heaven, but it's not just me looking way over there. No, this person can be with me. And and also our. Our sense of vision is our most important sense. I would I would say it's okay to put our senses on a hierarchy. I would say vision is probably the most important. It says in Scripture, in Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is a rabbit trail, excuse me. But um, but when I come into the church and I see those icons and I can look at the image, you know, the cheeks the ears, the nose, the eyes of a person there, then my my attention is focused there, and so I mean, I look at do you see what I'm saying? What you look at is what you attend to what you pay attention to and so that's another really big benefit in my opinion of icons, and people say, well what about people can't see? Well, I carve icons, I mean you can, you know Touch an icon, a carved icon, and you can you don't know what that is. Okay, so so that's um, now come on everybody. I know you've got more questions about the Theotokos than this. <laughs> Everybody's so just say 
Oh, so you must be in the camp. Oh, orthodoxy. All right, let me in. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure, because also, I mean, in, in your own understanding, in your own soul, you'll know that there will be people that you'll encounter who, who will have a different attitude about what you believe. So I just want to give you some some things to think about. Thanks for the focus. So, I mean, when you read the prayers to the Theotokos, you know, champion of heaven, <laughs> far greater than the seraphim, more glorious than the seraphim, beyond clear than the seraphim, we give birth to you. And yet, you know, without the Theotokos, we would not have three books of the Bible. Who else told Luke about the journey to, it, to Egypt, you know, and about the census and all that stuff? They obviously respected her, her testimony and her history. Yeah. Wasn't Luke uh, who first made, who made the first icon? That's one. That's that's old tradition. That's the tra tradition. Yes. And she said, "And all generations will call me blessed." Well, if you're in a tradition that says, "Well, we can't call her blessed," then which verse of the Bible are you taking? I'm sounding like a lawyer. Not <laughs> 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 a lot of argumentative people in my circle, but those are some of my thoughts about the Holy Theotokos. Okay, we all right there? Wow, I expected a lot more discussion. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, let's just move on then. And Frank touched on a lot of things um, because I wanted to talk about how, um, how to read the Bible. And you're talking about it's meant to be read in community. And that, um, so, you know, when we go for look, looking for you know, information about Jesus and the saints and the Theotokos and so forth and so on, uh, the Bible was not meant to be a standalone document, which some later Christian groups have made it to be. It was meant to be read as part of the worship services. And I mean, even I remember being in Bible studies and saying the second chapter of Philippians, you know, and every knee shall bow, and Jesus Christ emptied himself and made himself a servant, taking on the, you know, making no, re no repute, taking on the form of a servant and became a man and so forth and oh wasn't Paul wonderful and he was so brilliant this had been him in the church before Paul wrote Philippians you see so that the hymns of the church that God gave the church it's it's built all together so so looking at scripture is only part of it I mean if you come to especially Vesper services and hear all of the the uh, psalm verses that are woven in. When we come to Matins, for instance, which, um, which will be at a vigil, there's something called a canon, which is a group of songs. And shoot, how long have I been a Christian? And I never knew that there were like nine canticles or songs in the Old Testament that were very famous and beloved by the early Christians. And one is by Moses, one is about Joshua, Jonah and the whale, the three youths in the fiery furnace. I can't even, you know, bring. But these are Hannah is one of them, you know, praying. But these are wonderful, wonderful scriptural treasures that are part of our worship services and in context. So, um, so when you are looking at the so the, the the faith and the understanding of scriptures is learned not just by reading the scripture but also through worship. Um, the hymns, the icons, the processions, the movements, everything like that. And, and of course, as you, you know, worship more and more in Orthodoxy, you'll see so many things when you go back and read the Psalms and you say, 
oh, that's what they're talking hmm. about, and so forth and so on. So, just just so that just some more information about the background. Any questions about that particular part of reading scripture? In in that regard, I would especially recommend the Orthodox Study Bible because it it will it will drop a footnote and tell you, okay, this is this is chanted on the third Wednesday in Lent, or this yeah. is part of the Matin service, and it'll it'll draw all those connections for you, so you know uh, the context that it that it fits into. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the next question I touched upon a little bit earlier was uh, what happens after death, and we believe that all believers go and live with Jesus Christ in paradise. All the believers who who fall asleep are worshiping at the throne of God and that we are able to talk to them and ask for their prayers and so forth and um, it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in our lives like our older brothers and sisters and um, so the saint is a fellow traveler and the question is can you also pray ask your your grandma or grandpa who have fallen asleep in the Lord to pray for you yeah so that's part of the community. Um, does anybody want to talk about that, about being alive and able to hear us and able to, you know, we we hear from them maybe in the sense of, I felt like St. Xenia was saying that I should do this, or anybody have any questions about that? Doubts? <coughs> Go ahead, Baptists. Oh, sure. All right. I'm all the first. Um, um, can you define believer first? Like, what do you mean by believers and so on? Good point. I like, do you have to say the sinner's prayer? Do you have to have been a baptized, yeah, like, chrismated? Like, like, what do you uh -huh. interpret as being a believer? I be I, I'm not going to be able to answer that question. Okay, it's a very fluid type of a thing. Because it's up to Christ himself. Okay. So, with that said, we don't know. Right? We don't know if Grandma is there. We don't know. Yep. But that there is the I mean, I don't mean that to be hard. No, no, that's, not, that's, the, that's fine. It's, it's, it's understood. I mean, I have... All of my grandparents are... And parents are not believers, so I, I understand that dilemma and that thought and so forth and so on. We do not know what happens at the moment of death. Okay, we do not, the Orthodox Church does not believe in universalism, that everybody will be saved, but we have confidence that God is a good God who does not, who wants who does not want anyone to perish. So I cannot give you a definitive answer, but I rely on the character of God that I know and his mercy. Okay. Okay. And that, um, you know, there's some things we can do, for instance, to, to worship in an orthodox manner because that is the first church that Christ gave. That's the, the you know, the church... Like, you know, every once in a while, some sort of an error comes along. But if you keep going back, like Frank said, to the earliest, the earliest, what was that that they believed the people who were closest? 
to Jesus Christ. So if you have a family member that was really devout, could you pray to them like a saint? In my opinion, yes. I mean, I would have to double check with Father Daniel about it. But, but the, we're, we're, a, we're all a community, a great cloud of witnesses. <clears throat> and, and I think it's just like, say you have a problem with, with your work, you would go to find somebody who has similar experience at work. Say you have a problem with a relative who has an addiction problem, you wouldn't go to the, per the work person to ask advice from the person who had the addiction. You would find another person. You'll have a sense that there are some people that, that there's an affinity to you, there's an affinity to that situation, and so forth and so on. I feel like, with Father Daniel in here, make sure I'm giving <laughs> you the right answer. What do you, what do you say, Frank? Well, let, I, I actually wanted to jump back here to your earlier point, and, I, and I'll probably come to your to this most recent point also, but I wanted to just address the, the issue of eternal security, because I know that okay. that was one of the biggest issues for me, because being a Baptist, okay, and if you say the sinner's prayer, you don't even have to be baptized. Right. That that enough is, is going to secure you, and, and, and then you're going to walk the aisle, but you're going to get baptized only as an outward sign of inner conversion, not even needed, like the Salvation Army, they, they don't even have baptism. And, uh, and, and speaking of this, there, there's a great podcast that you can find from Father Stephen called, uh, of, of uh, I think, Scripture in the Church. I'll see if I can find it, but he really talks about his growing up as a Baptist. But going, going from this, it, it, still, um, like, I always had doubts. I always had doubts in my mind. Like, what if I didn't really accept it? What if I just thought I did? What if I just did it just because I was afraid of going to hell or I was buying fire insurance as the term was, yes, was, was called uh -huh. back then, okay. And um, and 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 then uh, fast forward uh, twenty years or so I, I was I was in a I was in a plane uh, cruise along forty thousand feet and the guy next to me, the seat next to me was reading C. S. Lewis and uh, and he, he was a uh, he was a student at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and we got to talking and and at one point he asked me the the dead on question. I said, okay, so this plane were to suddenly nose down and it plunges into the ground. Do you have any doubt in your mind where you would go? And I said, you know, when I was looking at it, I, I realized that, okay, but like, like in Protestantism, it, it's salvation by faith alone. Just faith. And Roman Catholicism, because I need this from dealing with my wife, more of a contractual thing. You do this and this and this, and God is going to do this and this and this. This is, but our faith as Orthodox is based on love. It's total love. It's the love of a God that knows you better than you could ever know yourself, cares for you more than you could ever care for yourself, has a capacity to forgive you for things that you can't even forgive yourself for, and, and loves you more than you could ever, um, more than the most loving parent could. I said, that's going to put my trust in. That's it. I know he's going to take care of me. And that's, uh, so, you know, if the plane noses into the ground, yeah, he's going to look after me. And that and that was like, okay, good. <laughs> so that, that was my, my take on that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we can just all go home now. Well, <laughs> thank you, Frank. That was just fun. That was wonderful. I mean, thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry guys, Megan. Yeah. Um, you're, say, you're saying what everybody else is thinking. Yeah, I think so. I really yeah, think yes, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we're on the same subject of, you know, like praying or talking to the deceased. Yes. All right. In in the Old Testament, you have a scripture that spoke about Saul talking mm -hmm. to Samuel, yes. the witch yes. of Endor. Yes. So. Where he went wrong was the media, or was it that he consulted Samuel? Like, what was the flaw? Good it point. Well, Frederico talks about that in this chapter, actually, and that the the uh, fault was trying to predict or manage the future. Oh, so it's not that he was speaking to Samuel because he was already dead. That wasn't the issue. No, it was the purpose behind it and his motivation. Okay. Does that help explain? And it's also the, and it was also the method too, because relying on an occult spirit. Yeah, medium. Mm -hmm. The medium. Mm -hmm. Does that so, help? Trying to get information from the dead instead of just trying to. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. All right. Well, we're getting close to time. There was just one other point. Thank you very much. No worries. Yeah. Come back, because you're really good at zeroing in on these I'll things. be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know where where Frederica said she was talking to somebody who said. Well, I'm not going to, what's this business of praying to the saints? I'm going to go directly to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Patrick says, okay, well, then I'll stop praying for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are some people who would take that line as far as ask that, you know, they want us to pray, but not about the saints. So, anyway, that's, you know, that's just one way to look at it. The, we're, we're a community, and that's one way to be a community. To me, having people to pray with is really important. So, um, I've got one other little thing to, to add. Um, I want to make sure we've answered. Are there any other questions that have come up over through the week and so forth and so on? Is it easy to briefly summarize our Orthodox teaching on hell? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, I. I've got notes about that. Okay. <laughs> the too, As fine. a matter of fact, there is a verse in Holy Week yes. in one of our, you know, one of the hymns that we sing where it personifies the devil in hell. And I mean, the poet, that's what the poetry in this, and, and it's, I've meant, I didn't, this is what I remember, but, but Christ goes into Hades as a corpse, and hell said, Woe is me. I took a man and he was God. And he is now that he's in hell, he is going to destroy me. Does that make sense? <laughs> so only and Frederica talks about that in a further chapter. She'll go into that about what hell is. Um, okay, so hell is death, okay. But it took it took a man and a God in one body to be able to enter hell. God could not go, you know. Satan would not let God into hell, but he would accept a man into hell. And when he did, he said, <laughs> Oh, woe is me. 
And so I showed you that, that icon before, and she talks about it again, about you know all the icons of the resurrection where Jesus is standing on the crossed, a crossed, shattered gates of hell underneath our chains and keys and broken locks and all this stuff. And he's grabbing Adam and Eve and pulling them up out of hell. So thank you for that question. I hope I answered that. So come to the services and you know listen to some of those hymns. They're just amazing. And read C. S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. Um, that's another that's a that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Thank you. So I just want to say that I'm so thankful for all of you, and I pray for you. And um, and I've seen, you know, lots of... Anyway, here's just what I want to say, is that this, this time of... Father Stephen said it takes 10 years to become Orthodox, so take the long view. And he said, what would it take to become Orthodox? Just coming to church. So that's what I did. I just came to church, you know, and that kind of helped form my thoughts and so forth. And there wasn't any big revelation. I think I told you it took me 18 months to decide to become a catechumen. Okay, I just really wasn't sure. Um, but when you think about, okay, I'm painting a little picture and please forgive me, but it's the beard in high school football game. The band is there. The flag corps is there. The cheerleaders are there. The you know, the dance team is there, everybody's there, the people who went to Bearden, you know, 35 years ago, it's a big community thing, they, they start the game, and somebody sc- scores three points, and they say, okay, game's over. We, you know, there was a score, that's all there is. Huh, what? We're supposed to be here, you know, just, there's more. <laughs> so. Don't let the thought of receiving your, your, you know, the Eucharist for the first time be that three-point conversion and then the game's over. There's more than that. Okay, and you expect that there's gonna, the game is going to take a while and there's going to be downtimes and boring times and no scoring times. You just decide <coughs> that orthodoxy is, is for you. I mean, it's a silly little metaphor. I'm sorry, but I just thought... I would say that, and I also want to say, please forgive me, but all of those who are single, I mean, I'm a single person, and I came without any family with me, you know, it's a family place, and you kind of, I really admire you all who are coming as singles, and I pray that you'll find connections, and that, you know, Orthodox will continue to be really meaningful for you, if you want. That's it. Any other I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad to stay and answer any other. Oh yeah, good eye. What a good eye. Prayer hasn't come to that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you, Lord Gregory. <laughs> it is truly meet to bless the Theotokos ever blessed and most pure, the Mother of our God. More honorable than the cherubim, beyond compare, more glorious than the seraphim. Thou who without corruption gave us birth to God the Word, truth they took us to magnify. To the prayers of the Holy Fathers, the Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy upon us and save us. Amen. 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 Okay. All right. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. <laughs>